Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He is Spencer Penny Strode. I am Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. The Magic are 4-11. and We're a game above the worst teams in the league, Detroit and Houston. It's been a roller coaster November so far. We're not even at Thanksgiving yet, and the Magic have often been short bodies due to a combination of injuries and tanking. It's funny how Weltham did not apply for any hardship help from the league, where for the third consecutive season, leading the NBA in man games lost due to injury and COVID, it's insanity at this point. And we also didn't pick up RJ Hampton's team option, and I feel like that's going to be a huge mistake. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jack. Point guard on the 7 6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Turkaloo for the win. All right, Penny, this is your first pod episode of the regular season. Um, I did the other one solo, so it's going to be nice to just share our thoughts 15 games into a magic season. Um, but before we get into that, we, we got to deal with the RJ Hampton stuff because that's just been pressing on my mind uh, for a while, as you can. And I have, you know, I'm the I'm the owner of RJ Hampton Island and I have a lot of RJ Hampton stock and you do. It's it's I, I'm still trying to figure it out. I think I have a good idea, but it, it's like the magic because I mean, I, I haven't done a pod since, you know, last month. Uh, you know, we're recording this on Thursday night, November 17th. Uh, I think the last one I did was October 27th. And then I went on a on a vacation um, checking out Asheville, Nashville. Gatlinburg, which I didn't care much for Gatlinburg, the city, but uh, there's a lot of good nature stuff. So that that was fun. Um, but anyway, the magic during that time uh, picked up team options on everyone that had an option available at the time. But RJ Hampton, uh, which surprised me. And I was surprised that with RJ Hampton not getting his option picked up, you know, I was surprised that Chuma OKK got his option picked up. Um, because RJ, since preseason started, has been better than a lot of guys on this team, including Chuma. And Hampton's team option for next year would have been $4.2 million. That's not a lot of money. And now that we're not picking it up, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in the summer. And not coincidentally, it timed itself where we found out RJ Hampton left Mike Miller's agency. Uh, I think it's Lyft management or just Lyft, but, um, and then kind of awkwardly, maybe, I don't know. Wendell Carter Jr. joined it. We heard, we found out like the same day it was announced that, or we, you know, we heard that Wendell Carter Jr. joined the agency that RJ Hampton left. So that's a little interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's two Duke guys now, I guess, together. You got Ben Caro and Wendell uh, with Mike Miller's agency, but, um, you know, since that happened throughout this whole month of November, Mosley's still given RJ Hampton kind of inconsistent 
important minutes. Um, even though RJ's played really well, you know, I really have to emphasize how good this guy's been. Like he's he's still shooting like 46.2% from three on a solid two attempts per game, which adds up when you've played 13 games this season. Um, you know, he's got a couple DNPs now for odd reasons. Um, but you know, the minutes he's he's getting fewer minutes, I think, than well, he's getting seven fewer minutes than Chuma, which considering how short we've been on guards for the most part, I just, I don't understand. Um, and then with Jalen Suggs, when he came back from, from that little spell that he missed um, from his 12 million injuries that he's picked up, um, you know, that's when RJ's minutes really, really dipped. And look, Kevon Harris and even Caleb Houston should never average more minutes in Hampton in a game, but it's just been consistently happening. And now that we didn't pick up his option, you know, it's very evident that Hampton's going to be pushed out one way or another, you know, even in that win over Dallas that we had where we had seven players out, Mosley in essence played nine guys in that game. And RJ only played eight minutes in that game that we beat Dallas in. Um, Denying the team option is basically a directive to just not play RJ. And that makes us a worse team in my mind and it's it's a pro tank move at that point and it also limits rj hampton's development like i don't see how this is helping hampton as a player where wilham and the franchise seem to get a lot of credit for you know being very helpful and just being really good about supporting players but none of this is helping rj hampton in my mind um next summer's free agency class it's not good like is saving $4.2 million that necessary, you know, truly at that point? You know, I know that I think we can get around like $50 million in cap space, but really when you start like keeping contracts or, you know, picking up options here and there, like it's going to be a lot less than that. It's going to be probably around like $30 million, I think. But, you know, it all points to RJ is going to be dealt away in the next few months or, you know, for better or worse, um, or maybe even waived or I doubt they hold on to him till next summer like that would just be awful like i just feel like he's going to be involved in some type of trade and it kind of weirdly gave me kind of like this correlated fear that this is going to end up being like our trevor reza decade mistake where that's interesting which i don't even know like my brain's weird man like you 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 know like you 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 know me for over two decades now like my my brain off with the magic and sports in general operates very in very kooky ways, but, um, you know, I see a situation where we'll make the finals this decade because Alex Martin's promised by 2030, I guess, but I, let's say we might magic make the finals this decade. I just see it. I just envision like RJ is going to be on an opposing team and he's going to be a big reason why we don't win the title. Just like Ariza was a huge reason why the magic didn't win the title in 09. And you know, at the time, Stan Van Gundy, he didn't see a future for Reza because he wasn't a shooter. He was or Trevor was an amazing athlete, had some disgusting poster dunks. Like if you can still pull up YouTube videos, I think of him dunking on Jermaine O'Neal and QB Brown bringing up like mezzanine jokes on that. And then him also kicking Omeka Okafer in the balls as he's going up and dunking on him. Just some disgusting dunks. But, <laughs> you know, Ariza was also already a great defender and. You know, the big thing with Trevor was he hadn't developed a jumper at the time. And so we, you know, we traded him for Mo Evans and Brian Cook, which, you know, brought us back good kind of 
early returns of that trade is Evans. I liked and cookie monster could hit some threes. Then what Brian cook was, I think Brian cook was born 10 years too early. That's what the, that's the thing with Brian cook. Like he could have been an amazing NBA player now, but um, his three point shooting just wasn't as valuable back then as it, as it is now. And, you know, neither Evans or cook were, was on the finals team. Um, but I mean, Evans was big in that, 08 playoff series against the Raptors that we won. Um, you know, I, I think we just let him walk for cap reasons where he ended up in, in Atlanta after that, but Mo Evans was a good player. Um, but neither was on the finals team. And then we faced the Lakers in 09 Ariza with his awesome defense and very and then developed three point shooting out of nowhere within like two years. He did, he developed this very solid three point shooting. He was a big difference in why we lost that series. And, Ariza was 22 when we dealt into the Lakers at the time and RJ turns 22 years old in February. So I, I see some eight, you know, I got some age correlation going on with that too, but you know, with RJ, I view this as worse because he's now an expiring. Maybe you can get a second round pick for him. Maybe. And he's good. Like he's good. Now he's got the talent there. There should be playoff teams lining up to get him right now because we've sabotaged ourselves and trying to continuously play him as a point guard. He's really a two-way shooting guard or even a small four because of his size and, and just his speed. Like I, I've been saying this for like a year and a half. He's not a point guard. He is a spot-and-shoot type of guy with the ability to dribble around, to drive and whatnot, but not something that you want to re- rely on primarily. And I understand, you know, f- because of front office incompetence where we don't have an actual backup point guard that RJ, when he does play, is playing backup point guard. Because with Fultz out, with Cole out, it's like Suggs is a point guard, which he shouldn't be a point guard. He should be more of a combo guard, but uh, I'll leave that to the side. And then you got RJ as the backup point guard right now. So he's already been playing out of position this entire Jamal Mosley era. And even through all that, he's succeeding. He's playing well. He's shooting 49% from the field in general. Like He's likely our best catch and and shoot shooter. Like maybe Gary Harris you know, who we also got in that Aaron Gordon trade, you know, you you can make an argument for Gary. um, But RJ is one of our best shooters. Like the percentages don't lie for the past year and a half. Like RJ shot last season, over 40% catch and shoot. People look at the, you know, the field goal percentage, but that's because he had to run around a lot and he took some ill-advised shots because he was not playing his, his, the position he should have been playing. Um, He's a better three-point shooter than T. Ross. I think so. Now, Ross has been better this season, but I, I think overall, RJ is still a better three-point shooter than T. Ross. And RJ, since training camp, is p- playing a lot more controlled, and you can tell that even when playing a point guard position that he shouldn't be, he's making very good decisions at least 80% of the time now, or last season it was maybe like half that. And so there's plenty of growth with that. And don't forget, we almost drafted R.J. Hampton over Cole Anthony. Like, that almost happened. It was close. And Weldham clearly still coveted R.J. when we did that Aaron Gordon deal. But something has changed during this Jamal Mosley reign. And it's annoying because if Steve Clifford was still here, I think both Hampton and Chuma would be better players and they'd be viewed more favorably by the fans than they are now and likely the team even than than they are now. And so... You know, I I get I see that, you know, Chuma has ha- had that great Dallas game and I hope he can keep riding that momentum because this is still technically like an outlier run 
for OKK in comparison to like the last year and a half under Mosley. And a lot of this is because we're sitting six to seven players. That's why Chuma's getting minutes. And my fear is once we start getting guys like, let's say, Gary Harris, which is going to happen now on this road trip, uh, RJ's going to just rack up DNPs. And I'm just going to yield the floor to you, Penny, as far as just kind of – I view this as a big mistake. And I know I am a big RJ Hampton bandwagon type of guy, but um, what's your viewpoint on RJ Hampton? Because I, I just laid a lot at, at your feet here. Yeah. So uh, first of all, we talked about prior to the season that typically it's just good business to pick up every single rookie option that you can, especially in, in light of how the cap works in today's NBA. So uh, it seems to me like they made that decision based on the summer. Now, certainly he, uh, uh, he pooped the bed in summer league playing out of position, but he's been playing well Last year, uh, doing the things that you mentioned, being capable of hitting the spot-up shot while playing out of position. This year, he's shown a lot of uh, growth in terms of harnessing his athleticism and continuing to knock shots down, which clearly has been uh, a missing piece for this team for, what, 10, 12 years now. Yeah. So it's surprising that you wouldn't, lock in another year of potential growth now uh small sample size right i mean even last year i mean it's not that small now i mean it's it's we're 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 already 15 games into a season he's still he's still knocking them down like it's i don't know if you're you're comparing him to chuma whose option they they picked up you go back and look at chuma's uh stats in all three years he I do you agree that he's essentially a full despite his age do you agree he's essentially a fully formed player at this point Chuma yeah because look I'm looking at it right now his rookie year at the Magic he shot what 34.8 percent from three last season he shot 31.8 percent from three this season he's currently shooting 34.8 percent from three again but that's not that's 10 that's 10 that's over 10 percent less than RJ from deep like I I'm with you that I mean, there's not much room for for Chuma to grow, and he's at he's 24 years old. RJ's still 21, and, and I would say too. Yeah. I mean, we we go back and forth on the analytics stuff. The eye test, you go, okay, Chuma has some quick hands. He does some good things defensively. Obviously, they just lauded him for his play against uh, Luca, and you know, the last week or so. But it, you look at the advanced numbers, and all of that is not on him. We've talked about the sibs on the defensive end of the floor for the team, but his his advanced defensive numbers are not great. Mm-mm. So it's not like when you talk about Chuma, you're talking about a three and D guy. You're, you're talking about a multi-skilled kind of plug the hole guy. Uh, so to commit to that for another year instead of holding on to RJ, who has potential still, the tantalizing word, to improve and to use the athleticism and combine that with, you know, let's not say elite shooting, but uh, above average shooting, that's something that's extremely valuable uh, and and probably, uh, who knows for sure, but I'm going to say more than $4.7 million valuable this summer to somebody else. And it's 4.2 million, but, you know, 4. and, and that's even, the thing. Still. And yeah. that's the thing is the magic technically could 
re-sign RJ, but it the most they could offer is less than that 4.2, basically, or they can't go above that 4.2 million. Yeah. And I mean, I mean you're, that's, you're that's higher less than, on him than anybody, right? I think. Yeah, but, but I'm but, I am seeing but like, there's something there. And it's surprising that as we try to develop all of these guys, that he didn't make the cut in terms of not giving up on him yet. Chuma's gonna make a million more next season than than RJ would have. Like Chuma's option that got picked up is is at 5.2 million. Like that's that's a full mill above what RJ would have made had we picked it up. Chuma's averaging, I already said this, Chuma's averaging like seven minutes per game more than RJ, and he's averaging 0.6 points per game less than RJ. Like RJ is making the most of his minutes, and he keeps shoving it down the coaching staff or the front office's staff's throats, whoever he's pissed at, and he should be rightfully pissed off at, and he's consistently doing it. And I know you said that you think the decision to not pick up the option was made like at, you know, after preseason, but I mean, there's still a couple weeks after that, or maybe after summer league, sorry, after summer league, but like he showed, he was like our second or third best player in preseason. And then there were still those first few that, you know, that first, what week, week and a half of the season before the option, you know, the option decision was made and RJ was playing well at the time. So I just, you know, I, it, it would be really a really bad look for the front office if this is really based off of, you know, RJ not looking great at summer league, like, you know, that's just very obtuse or something. I don't know, but um, it's, it's just baffling to me. So, I mean, now it's just about thinking about, well, and we're not going to find this out till RJ's on another team probably, but like what happened, you know, cause like what came first really was it, was RJ just, you know, mad that, he wasn't getting the time that he thought he should have gotten. So that's when he dropped, you know, Mike Miller, like, was he mad that Mike Miller didn't fight or vouch for RJ to play more minutes or to play an actual more natural position of shooting guard? Like there's, there's so many variables to this that we don't know. And, you know, does, does Mosley or does somebody in the front office not like Hampton? Like there's, there's so much stuff going on and, um, I don't know. Do you have any theories? Do you have any viewpoints on that? Because my I, thing is that is where it's Mike. I, I think it's just one of those where part of it was RJ, you know, RJ's not getting the minutes that he thought he should have been getting that I think he should have been getting. And then the other part was him playing out of position. And I think Mike Miller didn't fight for, for, you know, maybe in RJ's viewpoint anyway, in RJ's eyes that Mike Miller just didn't fight for him. Like maybe, a more established or veteran free uh, uh, or agent would have, I guess, in that situation. But I, I think that's possible too. I would also say just in terms of Mike Miller, when he represented RJ was coming off of being an assistant coach. Now he's had more time as an agent to at uh, Memphis under Penn. Right. Yeah. Yep. And to, to accumulate more clients and more, high profile clients, you know, in terms of our draft pick for the one. highest of which is Paolo. Yeah. That's a right. very, I mean, yeah. So if you feel like you had a good relationship with a guy and now you're getting kind of pushed to the back burner, then that would cause you to reassess that relationship too. It, no, that's a good point. Cause RJ was the first Mike Miller client. Like that's, that's a big, that was one, a big risk on RJ's part, but that's, that's a big thing. Cause RJ does a blue chip prospect. Um, and yeah, that's, 
that's got me my my wheel spinning my in my head a little bit there more but um yeah i get we're gonna we're gonna know real quick how this plays out because now with like guys like gary harris coming back and some other guys aren't too far but you know off um we're gonna see where rj stands but i mean if you're not if he's not part of your future they're not gonna play him but the problem is now like can you trade him for anything because i i'm well beyond the point where i think rj is going to be sticking around like do you think there's any chance rj sticks around past this season because i don't i don't see a path for that uh zero yeah so that's what's going to happen now is rj is not you know either he, i i mean for his sake i hope he gets traded to a team that wants him to like a decent team that's going to play him at least a little bit you know if obviously he's on a playoff or a title contending team like the minutes maybe don't you know obviously don't matter as much but the kid's good and <laughs> that's I, it's just a shame that we're not going to have him going forward. That's it, it's still, it's going to be baffling when, when that, when this saga kind of ends, because, you know, I'm seeing magic Twitter, like they're really slowly coming across my side, finally a little bit here with how they view RJ, because I mean, he's playing really well, but it's going to be interesting to see how the years play out with him. If he's going to make the magic pay or not. Um, so I'll leave that at that. So anyway, it's been a roller coaster November. Um, I don't want to go through all the, through all the games. Like, I just want to quickly just kind of mention them a little bit. Whereas like you start off like November 1st, which should have been our TNT game and it got dropped once Chet got hurt and knocked out for the season. But you know, you have that awful loss in Oklahoma city. Then you have a great win over a golden state where Suggs had a massive game. Penny, you were at that game. Um, and then, there's a heartbreaking overtime loss to Sacramento where Fox was just a beast. Paolo had 33 points, but then in the, you know, late in the game, Paolo badly rolled his left ankle in that game. And we haven't seen him since he's been out at, and hopefully he's, you know, not hopefully, uh, well, he is, he, he may be close to coming back. He's not going to be on this upcoming road trip that we're going to be on here, this three game road trip. But, um, and then you have the shit loss to Houston, it was the first game all season we were favored in. Of course, we lost that game, and we're getting murdered on zone defense where the Rockets were 24-48 on threes, and a lot of those threes were, were open looks. And then Hurricane Nicole happens, um, which moved the Mavericks game tip from 7 to 5.30, which was interesting because Disney Universal were had closed up shop at 5 p.m., which was interesting because you know the theme parks try to stay open as late as possible. Um, Penny, how'd you handle Hurricane Nicole? Because uh, for me, I, I it was all good for for me. I mean, I was the worst that happened like around like five to six a.m. when that thing started coming through. But I mean, wind wise, it was not as bad as Irma. It was maybe a little a little lighter than um, than Ian. I thought Nicole was actually going to bring more wind than Ian did, and that actually didn't pan out. But you know, I never lost power. I didn't lose anything. Like it was all good for me. How, how'd you do? Yeah, I did. Okay. Too. Thankfully. And, uh, it was, it was interesting following along on the travel plans for both Dallas and Phoenix, uh, working around the storm. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, I'll talk about that real quick. So yeah, there was no Paolo or Kevon Harris for that Mavs game. You know, the Magic had 10 available bodies. Franz Wagner was amazing. He's been awesome. Like, he had, like, a bit of a sluggish start 
to the season. And he's just been amazing the past few weeks in particular. And, you know, we would have been up at halftime that game, but we, we, we were down 12 to one on turnovers that, and that was definitely holding us back. Uh, and that, that was Chumo Okeke's best game of the season was that Dallas game. Like he helped break Luka Doncic's 30 point uh, game streak. And then we beat him up pretty well throughout that game. And his left elbow was hurting him. And maybe that, that added to the, the bad shooting night, but it was, it was a hell of a magic win over Dallas and Dallas after the game, they actually bust over to Tampa to get a flight out to Washington DC for their back-to-back game. So um, and then I guess Phoenix got in. Okay. I don't know if they, it, it, you know, I think they had to wait a little bit than longer than they would have, you know, had there not been a storm, but I mean, they got in fine, but um, yeah, I mean, I'll get to the Phoenix game a little slightly, or I'm just kind of going over stuff that we missed, but let's, let's talk city edition jerseys now, Penny. So, um, cause the city edition jerseys were released during the hurricane, um, or at least towards the tail end of, the hurricane effects that were impacting central Florida. But um, for me, it, it really just comes down to the font ruins everything. Like it, it looks like a new Orleans Jersey or somebody had commented that it looked like a tap out shirt uh, with the font. And actually they're, they're not, they're not off. Like I, it didn't pop in my head because I've never owned one of those shirts, but you're not wrong. But then with the font, like you have the mismatch of the number being like the same normal number font that they use now. And then that Orlando font, which it's some type of medieval type look because we're going with that kingdom on the rise moniker motto, whatever. And um, the dark blue trim doesn't match with that Jersey. Like it's got nothing to do with magic colors. Does that dark blue, the neckline, it's still not good. Like they keep giving us that damn Dallas Cowboy star. Like, just give us a magic star. I don't understand what's going on with that star. Um, I'm one of the few people that seems to notice that. Um, and then the Kingdom on the Rise video and the motto, like, it doesn't do much for me. Like, it's fine, but it's just like, meh, I, whatever. But the court is beautiful. Like, I think minus the Orlando font on the court, like, I think the court is awesome. Uh, you know, I would say you just need to dim the lights a bit when we're playing on it because of how gray the floor is. Like it, it looks weird on TV for me. Does that great court? Uh, and I don't know if they need to do it like they do it with the Lakers, their nets where they need to dim the court lights or, or not. But um, yeah, it's otherwise like the Jersey's not, the Jersey's not bad. Like it's, it, it would actually, you know, the chain mail type link look to it. Like it's really not bad. It's just the fonts holding it back. I don't know. What's your viewpoint on it? Uh, I, I'm with you on the Jersey, not a huge fan, the, the video, in spite of the, the way they're trying to take it, which I don't love, but I thought the video was pretty decent. The court I loved in the photos. I had did not like so much on TV and I haven't been to either of the home games with the city court. So it might be different in person, but it felt very reminiscent to me of like the UCF blacktop court. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and I, I, I don't know, it seemed a little Brooklyn Netsy almost on the on TV. So I, I didn't love the court on television, like the idea in theory. Uh, how would you rate the jersey compared to the last few years with all of the orange? I, hmm. I still like the orange jersey 
with the white, not not the brown yeah. or anthracite gray. Now, the thing that held that one back was the ORL. Uh, if it was just Magic or Orlando, mm-hmm. it would have been fine. Um, I think that jersey is way better than this one. Like this font, it it holds, it holds the pri- it, it holds it back a lot. Um, it's still better than the brown, the shit brown anthracite gray city <laughs> jerseys, but like that white city jersey with the orange font, it's yeah. it's better than this one, is my view. Um, different viewpoint or agree. I, the the white with orange pinstripe is the best so far, but uh, I think we're still looking for uh, the city edition jersey that really is the perfect fit. Yeah, and it's it's just disappointing because like Nike in general is kind of not doing a good job with all these jerseys. But I mean, for for I looked at the other team city jerseys, and I'd say like a third of them are pretty good. Uh, and you know, even f- like I like Portland's PDX jersey. Like they took their their airport carpet, which I didn't realize Portland's airport carpet was famous. It can't be uh, it can't be as famous as our Orlando airport carpet, but um, I like how they took that and made it a jersey, and it actually looks good in my mind. And there's no reason why you couldn't do like an MCO Magic Orlando International Airport combo, and even the MCO Twitter account agreed so maybe we'll see something on that i don't know but um yeah there's i mean there's some good jerseys like i like milwaukee's uh and i'm the only one that's noticed this but it's basically like a combination of greece and nigeria is milwaukee's um city jersey i think that looks cool so there's there's a lot of stuff um like philadelphia the 76ers city of brother the love jersey would be pretty good if the brotherly love or city of brotherly love font was bigger like it, it did it a disservice at being that small. And then of course, Joel Embiid had that ridiculous 59 point game, whatever that he had that in that Jersey. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some good jerseys out there and I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm waiting for the magic to figure it out. And, you know, maybe, maybe we just have to be good as a team for that to happen. Right. Um, so we're, I guess, slowly inching to that, but all right. Um you did mention that Phoenix, you'd mentioned Phoenix briefly. I mean, there was that great win over Phoenix after Hurricane Nicole. So it's like we had the great win over Dallas, Hurricane, great win over Phoenix. And you were at both those games. Or actually, no, you were at the Golden State win and you're at the Phoenix win. So you're two and oh. So good for you. Um, so if the if you want to keep some good winning going, Magic fans or Magic in general, feel free to get Penny some tickets to keep going because he's two and oh right now. But um I that realize, Phoenix by win. the way, yeah. I, I'm a I'm a snob now. I only want to go if I'm lower goal and uh, center court. So, so I, I don't blame I, you. I have to say, and you can tell on TV, but I, I, you know, I don't know how many people that listen to us go to games regularly. Seeing Bowl Bowl in person and like close enough to the flight. I was lucky enough to sit four or five rows from the floor, both times, different sections. Uh, the, the lankiness, the height and the length is just obscene in person. I mean, it, it translates on the screen, but when you're in person, it's, it's a whole nother level. So if you haven't been to a game yet, make sure you go while bowl's still healthy. I bet any, uh, any post pandemic, uh, Thoughts on the arena experience? Anything new that caught your eye other than Bull Bull, obviously? Uh, 
not new to me has been in existence. Uh, I got very lucky the first game that I went. We, we all know the, is it still called the Fields Ultimate Lounge? I think so. I, I don't know so, if it's, it's the BMW Lounge or well, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so I, everyone kind of thinks of that as obviously the, the ultimate experience. Well, there's a, there's a guarded locked door across the hallway from that called the Icon Lounge. Yeah. Uh, just an absolutely incredible, if you thought the fields lounge was nice, uh, go find somebody who has access to the icon lounge, have them get you in. Oh, you Uh, actually got to go. I'm jealous. I I was able to go full, full buffet, uh, free beer and wine liquor for upcharge. Uh, then at halftime, they switch out the food and also post-game snacks with continued free beverage. Uh, that was the Golden State game. So uh, a couple of big shots, including uh, the guy who owns Kabuki Sushi was in there. Uh, also, uh, sweater vest Jack Nelson's wife in She's there. still going? Yep, still going to the games. So Good. Saw some awesome. local, local celebrity, local Magic fan celebrity, uh, and then Everyone was so amped up over the win over the uh, Warriors that a couple of people uh, put their their black cards down and got uh, an obscene amount of tequila shots to celebrate a regular season win. So wild wow. environment over there. In terms of the arena, everything uh, pretty similar. Uh, I don't know how long they've had a PDQ there, but they have a PDQ in there. So, you know, there's options. It's it's nice to be back in the arena after not having been for, uh, I think it was actually three years. Uh, Almost. Yeah. Was it tw- December? Basically. What did it, late December 2019 when we went yep. to that Warriors yep. game so, where the Magic somehow won that one too? So uh, so nice to be in the, you forget about it and then you go back and you go, it does kind of feel a little bit like home. I've, I've seen the icon lounge. Like I, I haven't been in it though on a game night. So that's awesome. That's yeah. That, that, that must've been, that, that sounds like a treat. So um, yeah, I haven't, that's one of the few things I haven't done in that arena. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, that sun's win that we had, that was just, that, that was just well put together where we were just focused and just seemed to actually stick to game plan throughout. They didn't have Chris Paul, but I mean, the Suns are second in the West, still as of this recording so like that's a still a very good monty williams team and you know we had that we, we did, a, did a good job stopping luca and we did a pretty good job kind of containing devin booker and uh yeah that worked out um and then you go from that to just an absolute shit <laughs> game against the hornets and we're talking about monday now so we're, we're on this week finally but we where we debuted those city jerseys and in the floor and charlotte just looked hungrier out of the gate than us and you know, it's a second game back for LaMelo Ball. They had lost eight straight games. Just atrocious effort to start that Hornets game for us. Um, I mean, Mason Plumley was like the lead Hornets scorer. And I mean, he started that game, I think, just getting a steal off Wendell. And I was just like, oh, crap, this, this is not going to be a good night. Um, lack of effort has almost never been a problem this season for the Magic. Like, that's something I can comfortably say. It's usually just mistakes that kill us. Well, you know, we, I guess, thought that they'd roll over after we stomped Charlotte for our first win of the season, you know, in late October. And they didn't have Hayward this time, but they they did have LaMelo. Um, so then you had like Ball and Rogier just shredded our backcourt. Even when we started trying like 
Steve Clifford just knew that a fast pace would dishevel us and we just never fully recovered um, from that poor start to the game. But why weren't we hungrier? You know, we haven't won three straight games since February of 2021. I think Dante Marcatelli dropped that on, on magic drive time. We have not won three straight games since February of 2021. And yeah, I, not not great and yeah so then we get to this t-wolves game this most recent one you don't have paolo bencaro still um no wendell carter this uh, no wendell carter jr this time for this game and you got jalen suggs wearing a mask courtney lee style a little bit there um franz he's had a wrap on his hand i think the whole season but it looked like a kind of like a glove-like wrap this time and it seemed to be supporting his middle finger. So I don't know what's going on with that right hand right now. I hope it doesn't get worse. But um, the ball, Bamba, front court doesn't work. It hasn't worked for a while. Um, the Suggs, Ross, back court doesn't work. Um, T. Ross just doesn't play consistent enough defense. And, yeah, it's just, it, it just doesn't work. Um, Suggs isn't a, po- a real point guard. Um, Suggs. He rolled his ankle stepping on Mo Bamba in this game, and it looked like he should have stayed out of the game. He didn't stay out of the game. He kept back. He kept coming back in. And look, I give him all the credit in the world for fighting and wanting to play and not giving in. But I kind of wish our training staff would have just kept them out and for this one because he was still limping through the whole rest of the game. And I get the Magic showed fight, and they had a chance in the fourth quarter after being down like 20-some points for a good chunk of the game. And, you know, we just didn't have the bodies in this game without Wendell to face Minnesota. Like, Gobert, Towns is just a nightmare front court to go up against when you don't really have big bodies. And, you know, it's it's a valiant second-half comeback attempt, but you can't get away with not having a point guard and you can't get away with Admiral Schofield playing backup center. So um, we went three and four on the homestand on the seven game homestand. It's our longest homestand of the season. We're four and 11 on the season. Um, Penny got any viewpoints on, on those last few games at all, or uh, should I just keep going? I mean, we're no stranger to injuries and, you know, played some good games playing up to, uh, good competition or teams that the young players that we have are excited to play against their guys in terms of Golden State, who's not good yet. Um, totally disappointing. Uh, Steve Clifford going can't get away from the injury bug. He doesn't have Gordon Hayward and LaMelo and uh, the Martin twin and a bunch of stuff and still kicked our ass. Yeah. Uh, submitted a, uh, is this anything to David Steele? in advance of the Charlotte game, what are, what's the all-time record of us playing against our former head coaches? I'd like to know. Steve Clifford now one and one against us. Um, there, Doc Rivers obviously has the, the most wins because he's been coaching forever now. Yeah. Um, but with Jock Vaughn getting the full-time job in Brooklyn, that'll be interesting to kind of follow along. You know, Brian Hill never beat us in Vancouver. Did he not? Interesting. Okay. Brian Hill didn't beat anyone in Vancouver. Well, yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, that's interesting. But it's disappointing. That's right? a very good. <laughs> is, is this anything? It probably didn't. It probably didn't make it on air because we're probably very well under five hundred. That's probably why I didn't make it. But um, I've submitted a few, and I yeah. haven't gotten on yet. You'll, I don't. I think you'll, you'll crack it 
it will sport. Maybe we'll win a hat and get a hat away. That'd be fun. Uh, keep it going. But it's you get invested in a team, right? And we all know going into the season, well, you you and you know, uh, blue rose colored glasses, but still, you know, we we knew what we were getting involved in, and you start to get a little extra hope. Uh, and then they kind of show up and poop the bed on you um, and don't get to sustain the momentum. So it's disappointing as a fan, um, but also the up and down, especially with everybody out, I guess we, we kind of have to expect it a little bit. Yeah, we're, uh, we're 0-6 on the road now going into this Chicago and then double Indiana three-game road trip. Um, we, uh, let me hear your thoughts on this, Penny. So we've only held a shoot around for five of our 15 games this season, which I think is weird because we've only had time for five practices since the regular season started. Like I can't recall a time where the magic have had this few shoot arounds this early in a season. Like, I feel like for as long as I've cared to, to remember, recall or care, like we would hold shoot around the majority of the time, whereas here it's, we're not even like at half our games shoot around and we're supposed to have a shoot around tomorrow before the Chicago game. So that'll be six of the 16 games. Um, and when you can't practice that much because you're traveling, you're resting, like I get the no practice, like the limited practices, like that, that's tough to do. But on a game day, when you should be prepping to face a team, an opponent, that's where shoot around comes in. So I don't, I don't know if they're just doing this to duck the media and they're actually holding these in reality, but they're not doing it. And I don't know. Is, is it, am I making a big deal of this Benny? Um, I think that you're making an appropriate deal. Now, part of it, right. Is you only have so many bodies. So it's not like you're going to get through a full practice. If you have nine healthy guys that you're also trying to save for the game now but i'm just talking about shoot around around not practice right yeah so yeah uh i think that's an example of a young coach being a player's coach and if we had somebody different in the first chair then there'd probably be a different uh emphasis and priority on preparation I guess it's it's a little suspect and I'm I'm probably going to keep tracking this and, and, and as much as I can. Um, it's very odd and we might come back to this later on in the season. But anyway, so, yeah, the Magic are four and eleven. They are. What third worst in the tank battle, um, the only two teams that are worse than them are the Pistons and Houston, who are each three and twelve. So the Magic are just a game above them. So uh they're in the tankathon race. Um we're 28th in the NBA in assists, we're 28th in turnovers, we're last in steals. We're just not getting steals. Um we're not forcing turnovers obviously and we're bottom 5 in three-pointers made and attempted. We're also bottom 5 in uh opponent three-pointers made and attempted. So we're not uh, we're giving up way too many threes while not taking enough ourselves. And that's why we're losing a lot of games. Also, when you're turning over the ball a ton and you're, uh, you're not getting a lot of turnovers yourself from the other team. So we're ninth in the NBA in field goal percentage, which that's great for us, but the, you know, the mistakes kind of that we make just keep mitigating that we're, we're 10th in free throws made and attempts, which is awesome for us. Cause we're usually in like the bottom 10, 
even bottom five to be 10th is great. Um, that's been dipping because Paolo has been out. So we, we need Paolo to come back. Cause we were actually like eighth, I think uh, yesterday. So, but we're 11th in free throw percentage and improving. So that's good. Cause that was like around 20th for a bit there. And we're actually usually one of the better free throw percentage shooting teams in the league. So that's good that that's almost back in the top 10. Our pace is on the rise pace is at 19th. Um, Points per game is 21st. Offensive rating is 24th. So we're creeping upwards. Now, pace doesn't mean that you're a good offensive team. And the way we're seeing it with guys like Suggs and Bowl and Franz having to run the offense a lot is even if you know if they're going really fast, that that could be problematic, especially in Suggs's case. And even with Bowl, um, you know, they're going a little too fast and they then they could really handle. And whereas when Cole was running point, we were actually going kind of slow, but it it was it wasn't. I mean, we're still committing a lot of turnovers, but those turnovers weren't really because of Cole necessarily. So um, it's just something to keep an eye on. Like getting Markel back fixes a lot of this with the turnovers and the pace and whatnot. So, but um, defense it is improving a bit overall, but that doesn't say much. We're 16th in opposing points per game. We're 23rd in defensive rating, so that's not good. And I'm repeating myself, but we need to be a top 10 defense to have any shot of getting to the play-in. And obviously, we're much, much closer to the number one, uh, to the worst record in the league than we are to uh, to being in a play-in spot. I think we're three games back of 10th right now. Um, might be even worse now, actually, after tonight. But, yeah, um, getting Paolo, getting Markel back uh, – will make us a much better team. Obviously that's, that's nothing crazy for me to say, but I just need to point that out. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the injuries and stuff. Cause this is the, this is just the frustrating part. Cause we're leading the league in man games lost due to injury and COVID again, this would be for the third consecutive season in a row. If this holds up and just kind of going over guys that are out right now and, I mean, Fultz and Isaac look to be out until December. Um, a lot of these, you know, that's updates that we know we're getting because of Kobe Price um, doing uh, reporting for the Orlando Sentinel, and he seems to be getting it from players' mouths, not necessarily team officials. So that's a little interesting, but because obviously our team doesn't like um, giving timetables on stuff. Uh, but Fultz is out. My thing, I, my thinking was we were holding Fultz out, but I mean, the last scan that he got is supposedly like his, the fracture in his toe and not fully healed. And if that's the case, then well, clearly you got to wait for that thing to heal. So that's just frustrating. I think the big thing is, I think we need to tweak or change what the definition of a minor injury is. Cause whether it's Jeff Weldman or just, other folks kind of describing injuries, calling stuff minor. Like if you're out over two months because of a toe, like that's not minor. That's kind of a big deal. So um, Cole Anthony, he could be out a while with that oblique. I guess it's a tear, which that, you know, strain tear doesn't matter. Like that's, that's a tough one to really push through. Like that's got to fully heal and that's going to take time. But I mean, he was, Looked like he was practicing a bit today before uh, the team flew off, uh, flew out to Chicago. Um, Moritz Wagner was also, uh, yeah, Moritz Wagner was also practicing. So um, 
And my thing with Mo is I thought he should have been back quicker because he's got a mid ankle sprain. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe scientists need to study like my legs, but like I have sprained and rolled my ankles like a million times. And like, I, I'm fine. Like immediately, like I'm, I, you know, I was able historically to just play through it all. And you know, I'm not a professional basketball player. I'm not the size of a seven footer, you know, a 260 pound guy. So, you know, everybody's built a little different, but that's just, it's just interesting that <clears throat> like Mo from all, from you know, when, when it happened to him in preseason, like it, we didn't think it was anything bad. Like we thought maybe he'd miss like a week or two and it's, it's going to be closer to two months probably by the time he's back. So that's, that's kind of crazy. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm just really bad at judging ankle rolls and stuff, but I mean, look, Paolo, I don't know. Do you see the replay from the Kings game where he rolled the ankle? Like they showed it before. Um, I think the wolves game actually, or maybe it was the Charlotte game where Paolo went up and it was a really bad left roll ankle. Like it, it was like, I've done that role. And like, I know what that type of ankle roll feels like. Um, you know, for a guy that size, I guess, 6'10", 250, again, that's that's a lot different than me doing it, I guess. But um, that was a really bad ankle roll. And I can, you know, he supposedly practiced one of the days over the weekend, but he, you know, maybe after the practice, it, it was swelling up or bothering him a little bit. So that's why they're not pushing him. But um, yeah, that was the interesting thing to me. It didn't look great. Um, obviously, you know, you have the adrenaline going when it happens to gut something out, but to go through a full practice and then have soreness or, or whatever the case may be and, and back it off, you'd think if the magic were being, uh, cautious that, that they wouldn't have let Paolo go through a full practice, uh, to then not have a setback, but just to prolong the recovery process. It's very interesting. So, um, thankfully, Gary Harris, we're getting back. Uh, he is going to make a season debut against Chicago tomorrow uh, or Friday night. Um, and we're going to get Wendell back. So, hopefully, Wendell is going to get give us a revenge game appearance because uh, we get that Chicago Bulls pick in the offseason, you know, assuming, you know, they're, they're not like a, they don't hop in the top four after the lottery, you know, that picks top four protected, but you know, it's in our interest to beat Chicago. So that's probably why we're pushing maybe Gary and, and Wendell to play. Who knows? Maybe, maybe if it wasn't Chicago, we'd, we'd, we'd give them a break. Like watch, watch both of them play in Chicago, but then like sit out for the Indiana games or something like we'll watch that. So, um, but we don't have Cole Paolo Fultz, or Mo Wagner for this entire three game trip. Like they're not traveling is what uh, Dan Savage. And I think Kobe price reported. So they, we won't see them prior to Thanksgiving when, you know, we play the Sixers on black Friday and then we play them again uh, here at home uh, both times, uh, the two days after that. So um, that's just interesting. You know, our last pod episode, I titled it as noticeable tanking and for people saying it's not tanking to maybe keep a guy out a little longer than he needs to or whatnot. Um, my thing is why didn't Weldham submit to the league a request for a hardship help? Like we barely had nine, 10 guys for some of these nights and games and, you know, other teams that are competing for the playoffs are applying for hardship exemptions to try and sign guys. And it's just interesting that, um, 
you know, I, I, as far as we know, like, or as far as I know, like the magic didn't try to do that. Um, but then if it's also not tanking, if our players are all truly this fragile, then that's either on our training and athletic staff and on, and, or on Weltham for signing guys with historical injury or durability concerns. Like we're leading the NBA for a third consecutive season in man games lost. Like it's, it, this is happening. Like, I don't see a, you know, it'd be a miracle if that doesn't hold the rest of the season. I'll be happy for it, but because that means that we're probably going to be playing pretty well if we have most of our guys back. But, you know, the big frustration with all this too is that I'm looking at Suggs. Suggs is the only one that's like avoiding this treatment right now. <laughs> He's our crash dummy at this point. Like, Suggs, you're not the only guy that has played football on our roster. And, you know, those guys don't hurl themselves into opponents like Suggs does. Like it's, it's kind of ridiculous at this point, watching him kind of just crash into guys going to the rim Fultz, He also played football. He runs point like a football player. Look how controlled he is on his drives. And a lot of that's experience. A lot of that's a lot more games, you know, having him played a lot more games than Suggs has in his career so far. But like even the greatest hustle player in magic history, who also played football, Daryl flash Armstrong, he got four burns galore. He took a ton of charges, but even he knew how to control his body getting into the paint. And just Suggs can't do, hasn't done that yet. And he's I, like, it, it's so bad. Like, I don't think Suggs is going to make it to a second NBA contract if he keeps this up. Like, his body isn't holding up to his style of play so far, and it's preventing his player progression. Um, I don't know, Penny, what are your thoughts on the injuries, stuff I laid out, Suggs, whatever. I don't know if you got any thoughts on that. I'm just kind of riffing on that. I mean, the injury thing is, am I I allowed to say we're goddamn ridiculous? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, uh, it doesn't make sense. You've, you've turned over medical staff over the years, uh, you you've brought in new people. Hey, we still got Ernest Eugene and Lindsay Winninger. Like those right. are the two that they've stuck around for three or four years now. Like that's those are the only two left, basically. But you're right. We've had a lot of turnover. Sorry to continue. And 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 the handling from player to player doesn't make sense. Why why are there totally different uh metrics and 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 timelines and uh what constitutes sitting what constitutes shelving what constitutes playing through because it's not just willingness to uh and pain tolerance because if that was the case um i think we'd see markel a lot earlier than we had in in certain instances yeah Uh, and can't speak to ji but uh at the end of the day like you're you're a basketball player and you want to play basketball and you look at other teams, there's for sure, uh, you know, like the handling of Kawhi Leonard and things like that, where there's, there's for sure overly cautious approaches that, that pan out. Um, But we've taken it to the extreme in terms of how we handle rehab and return to play. And we've also continued to just have, I think, obscenely bad luck, um, Correct me if I'm wrong. It's only been 15 games, but we've not had a back-to-back this year. Uh, like there's there's ample time for rehab, uh, you know, like pre-game, post-game body work, and and keeping things on track. Um, 
and it just seems like uh, it seems like more than bad luck like there has to it's either there's got to be something that we're not privy to we have had one back-to-back it was the uh second and third games of the season where we were yeah. in Atlanta yeah. and then we had the home opener against Boston. But yeah, that's the only one we've had so far until this coming road trip where we're in Chicago Friday night, then we're in Indiana Saturday night, and then we play in Indiana again, Monday night. But um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating too. Cause some of these guys have like contracts uh, that, you're, the Magic are going to have to make pretty big decisions on. Like, Isaac's the obvious one. Uh, you know, I, again, I don't consider him as somebody that exists as a basketball player until I see him on the floor, but he's clearly close. Like, they, he, he's he's working out a lot. He's play, he's practicing a lot. Like, he's close. Like, it, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Um, but then you got Foltz, who his contract is – not guaranteed in the summer, like the magic could wipe their hands basically clean of Mark Hill this summer if they choose to. So that's why it's like, I want this kid to play as much as possible because it benefits him. Obviously it benefits us because he's such a good player, but like he's fighting for his NBA career future too. And unless there's some type of, you know, handshake agreement as far as playing or not playing goes. And it's like, well, we do plan on bringing you back uh, you know, on a contract extension or a new deal or whatever, but like, of course, Markel is going to want to play. Of course, Isaac's going to want to play. It's just interesting that, you know, like you said, like most guys are being almost bubble wrapped. And then we got guys like Suggs that are not, and it's just interesting. Um, so yeah, we're four and 11. Uh, we are two games off my, uh, my 34 win prediction pace. So right now at the moment, technically the magic would be Can on I track for you, 32 wins. Yeah. Do you, into, would you pencil the magic in for 32 right now? Or has, I mean, not that you're going to change your 34, but do you think that based on how things are going, you foresee 32 from here? You mean, would I take it or would if offered, or are you like, saying, are you saying the, the way they're looking you, now, do I think they're going to get there? Are you going to stick with the rest of your projections? Do you see the Magic winning, what, uh, 28 more games the rest of the year from here? I am because at some point you're going to get bodies back. Like this, like we are getting bodies back. Like Gary and Wendell are going to be back for this Bulls game. Fultz and Isaac, it's been said now that they'll be back in a few weeks. Mo can't be far off. Cole might be the farthest off. I don't know. Obliques are weird. Like that, that's a tough one. Um, Paolo's got to be close. Like I, I expect to see Paolo play in one and at least one of those two Sixers games. Like he should be back by, you know, immediately after Thanksgiving. So, I mean, we've got so much talent. And I, you know, I said, I mean, I said it. I don't know if it was the off season or for our season preview or whatnot, but this team is too good to tank or this team is too good for, to be like bottom of the league, but we're finding a way. Cause we got guys hurt, you know, hurt. They're being held out. Like for we're doing everything we can, or not, but yeah. um, I'm going to stick with the 34. I just, I am concerned with Mosley. Like I, I, I am. Cause. Can I with, speak to that? Because I, we share the same personal opinion. 
right? So let's so because I had this. I literally okay. I've got two things left on my list, and this would have been the next thing because Jacques Vaughn, you mentioned, became the net Nets full time head coach. I'm seeing some Mosley era parallels with Jacques Vaughn's Magic era, you know, era with how the path is going to go down. Where Mos like right now, the way things stand, I don't think Mosley's going to make it through his third season as a head coach. Like he'll. There's no way he gets fired this season. Like it'd be something absolutely ridiculously crazy for him to get fired this season. But next season, right now, the way things are going with Jamal, like I don't think he's going to make it like based off of how one, he doesn't really have all his whole roster available, but two, like this zone defense thing is pissing me off. Like it's, (laughs) it's been our biggest tank fuel at this point, even more than having six or seven guys out due to injury. If I had to bet money right now, and I feel the same way that you do, I I, I don't like what I see in a lot of areas, but I would bet that he would make it through the third season pretty much no matter what. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. I I don't have sources, but let's say I talked to somebody who has a source who has echoed things that if you notice on the broadcast, they're gushing praise and specifically now when Vince Carter joined David and Jeff try to help Vince along to give him insight on the team, right? Because he's not necessarily preparing for the magic, uh, like as a home broadcast member would, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard David Steele gush and ooze praise towards a coach more than you have about Jamal Mosley specifically uh, on multiple occasions, some turn of phrase that, and and those guys just really would run through a wall for him. And they just love their head coach and they just, they really connect with the head coach. So they, and I've heard from people who know people inside the organization that despite the bell ringing <laughs> that, <laughs> that you they, and I don't like, there's, yeah. a, there's a bond that has been fostered there. Now, Will that maintain, you know, how it goes as players get deeper into their careers and realize kind of the, the power that they wield. Right. Uh, But there's, there's some kind of connection right now that exists that I have to hope and assume that there's a a little puppeteering going on from above uh, not letting everything transpire how it would, if we were, really trying to win games a hundred percent of the time. Um, and the zone defense is shit. Yeah. Too. Look, look the, the way, and you're better basketball mind than I am. Cause you've actually coached and stuff, but the way I view zone in the NBA is it works for a possession to change things up or even for maybe like a one to two minute spurt, but like you can't use it for more than that. Like you can't use it for, half of a quarter like NBA players shoot too well now and just coaches will pick that apart in no time like you can pull it off in high school and college but like NBA like come on man and this isn't like 15 or 20 years ago like zone defenses just get carved up instantly now but like to your question on on the David Steele praise like I I, I'm thinking about it because may I mean maybe Brian Hill was kind of up there but honestly the only coach that comes into my mind really is hard and hustle doc rivers that's the closest i could think of to that much praise coming from david Steele uh, at for a coach like stan definitely never got that much praise um stan is 
I love Stan, but not everybody loves Stan. Stan's kind of like an acquired taste. Like you either love him or hate him based off of just kind of how his personality is. Like you and I are Stan guys, but um, yeah, it's, you're not wrong. Like there's there. I, my optimism for Jamal Mosley's future is that there's a lot of front office puppeteering going on to where it's like, okay, like you're, you're going to be fine. But then my thinking is that this, this kind of was happening when I was kind of, this was definitely happening with Rob Hennigan and, and Jacques Vaughn. Now the difference is I agree that the team definitely seems to be bonding more, not just with each other as well, but with their actual head coach, like JV at the beginning, like, like that first year, like I can just recall when we were like seven and 11 and we had the eighth seed and then big baby went down and we were done forever <laughs> after that. But, um, <laughs> There was a lot more veterans on that team. This one, it's a bunch of young guys. So like actual, actual young guys. Um, and you're not wrong. Like, I think, I, I think Mosley, I hope Mosley sandbagging a little bit because, and I obviously he wants them to play hard and he's not going to tell his team that he's sandbagging. But when you tell him to go zone a whole bunch or, and I know he said after, I think it was the Wolves game or maybe it was the Hornets game that like he's ex- trying a whole bunch of different um, like defensive ideas. Like he's talking about boxing one and stuff like that. And it's like, well, that's stuff you do in like preseason, like you're in actual like regular season games where technically like you should be, you, you should be sticking with what you're good at. And then if you want to experiment, like that's what practice is for really to where you can, or shoot around even to where you try to then slowly implement it. But there's been so much experimentation, both with, rotations when we had enough bodies now it's by necessity you're getting like a different starting lineup and different rotations and whatnot but um but then with the zone defense stuff and then you know the thing that's different from say steve clifford is that mosley doesn't really run set plays like there's a lot of dribble handoff stuff like it's he lets he lets the guys on the floor really determine a lot of stuff and even out of timeouts like he doesn't run a lot of you know, plays out of timeouts and that's fine to a degree. But when you're in a situation when you're losing a whole bunch, like I'm going to look at that. A lot of people are going to look at that. So, I mean, the only way this goes bad is if ownership and Alex Martin's caves kind of like they did with, with Hennigan and, and Jacques Vaughn, where they find where they caved. Like, that's my worry is that, you know, even though Weltman and Hammond are much more experienced and much more respected than Rob Hennigan was, or is even now, like, if it if the edict or if the direction comes from above that they're unhappy, like that could change everything. So um, I don't know if you want to counter with anything from from what I said, but I mean you bring up a lot of good points as usual. No, I'm just I I I mean again we we feel the same way, um, but for right now the tide internally seems to be by all accounts that. Uh, either Mosley is a, a company man doing what's dictated from above. Uh, yeah. So he's in the good graces with his bosses. Um, and also that he's fostering positive relationships with everyone on the roster, save for RJ Hampton. Right. So, so uh, you know, I, it's frustrating to watch the product on the floor, not live up to its potential. And I think anyone that watches the team can objectively say that, there's a little bit being left on the table in terms of maximizing the the talent and putting everyone in the best place to to be successful. Um, 
I do have one more thing, but now that you brought him up, uh, what do we think of Vince Carter on the uh, on the broadcast? I, I actually like him. Like I like Vince, but I haven't been like I haven't been blown away. I think he's still trying to find his footing in a three man booth and not three man booths are tough. Yeah. So he's he's not really he's given like he's continuing to give personal anecdotes, which is cool because that's a perspective. Um, but we haven't gotten a whole lot of insight into um, the the action of the game yet. But I think he'll get better as he gets more comfortable working with David and Jeff. I do think he's a good commentator, though, on his own on its own merit. Yeah, no, he's been good. He's it's kind of a little bit like when Matty Gukas would call magic games where he doesn't call it with like any homeristic intentions. And by all accounts, like David Steele and, and Jeff Turner are a top seven, at least NBA broadcast duo. Like it's, it, it's, there's no debate on that. Like they're really good. And they're, re- they really try to keep any type Can of I, homerism out of things. I yep. have to, I have to stop you for a second. You just said top seven which would mean that you're putting David and JT seventh out of 30. I'm not, I'm just being safe. Cause I, okay. cause I don't want to go through all the, all the play. Like, look for me personally, Safety he's top, top three. They're, they're okay. top three at least, but right. I just, again, there's, I just, there's I just had to, I just had to call that out. Cause there's they for sure. Top five. And we, we feel higher, but for sure. Top, because they don't they're they want the magic to win but they don't need the magic to win. Right. But the way I view Vince Carter is he's kind of calling games like as if kind of like he was Maddie Gukas where like he's bringing in some criticisms and it's funny because he's coaxing it out of Jeff Turner, who was like, <laughs> you know, Jeff as a coach, like you've seen Jeff actually coach in high school. Like Jeff is a hard nosed son of a bitch when he's coaching. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. it's crazy to see, to have <laughs> seen that and to see just how calm he remains on a magic broadcast. Like, he does not get pissed like ever. It's insane. Whereas <laughs> when he was actually coaching, like, yeah, you saw it, man. Like the, this, the Jeff Turner is a very competitive guy. It oh, just yeah. doesn't come out on, on the magic broadcast. So it is just interesting to see Vince kind of coaxing some of that out of him and even out of David a little bit. So like, he's kind of loosening him up just a tiny bit, like Jeff and David, like they're friends, like they're, they're very like comfortable with each other. But Sometimes it does like they do kind of keep things so focused on the basketball or on the actual game, whereas Vince kind of helps them wander a little bit uh, on some other things, even if it's on Vince himself, like it's something different. Like he's, he's a new focus at the moment, but um, I think it's fine so far. It'll be interesting to see how many games he actually does. I mean, he's done two so far. One was the Phoenix game we won. And then this last one was the blowout wolves loss. So we'll see how many more he does, but um, I think it's just two. I, I don't think I, I messed that up, but um, yeah. What's your viewpoint and any other viewpoints on Vince? Um, I, I, I mean, it's nice to even, he played less than a hundred <laughs> games for the magic, but it's nice to continue to bring people back into the fold. Like Q rich does a great job. He does pregame. Yeah. So, and God love him. And, you know, it's nice to, cycle people in other than nick anderson on the telecast yeah nick they know it too like nick can only go so far so it is interesting to see them cycle through like they they got too rich but it's nice like as a fan to see p and it's i don't know it makes you feel good like for all the qualms we have there's a pretty positive relationship with past 
players, past oh, yeah. coaches, et cetera, the, the doors open for them to come back and contribute in other ways. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, last thing. So I have to mention it because, well, he's technically the, the greatest magic player of all time. But Dwight Howard, he signed in Taiwan after 18 NBA seasons. I don't think we will ever see him again in the NBA. Um, eight of those 18 seasons were played in Orlando. He's 37 years old. Um, I don't know. I, I've seen like some social media clips of him, of, of, of Dwight kind of floating around on, on Twitter and stuff. And he seems to be having a nice time in Taiwan. I haven't seen him play a game yet. So I don't know what, what, when that's going to happen, but um, yeah, it's, I don't think he comes back. Um, there were some magic fans that were like, bring Dwight back. We, we want him to be like the third center. And I'm just like, that's not what you want. Um <laughs> When he comes back, and I mean that's I mean the DeVos family and Alex Martins don't want Dwight back either, I'm sure. Um, so I mean, we are gonna eventually see him in the Magic Hall of Fame. I doubt I don't know once he retires, like how soon after that we'll see him, but you know, he's he's a lock for the basketball hall of fame, so he'll go in and be remembered as a magic player for certain. Um and it'll be interesting because he'll be he'll be the first player inducted in the, in the Naismith uh, basketball hall of fame to go in specifically known as a Orlando magic player. Like the closest we got was we've gotten so far as Tracy McGrady, but there's some people that view his years as a rocket more positively than as a magic player, which I think they're just absolutely batshit insane. But um, with Dwight, there's no debate. So um, I don't know. Do you think Dwight's going to somehow sneak his way back in the NBA or think that's it? I'm not writing the book. Uh, I'm not writing them off yet. I, I think there's a possibility, maybe not this year, but you see him come back uh, next year with somebody or pick up, a, you know, like before the playoffs or something. Um, it's crazy. I mean, he's, he's still, he's not Dwight, but he's still capable. Um, so it's clearly all that comes with Dwight that makes him, uh, you know, makes it a, a difficult call to actually pull the trigger and, and sign him. But I'd be interested to see how he does over there uh, or if he starts trying to transition to another career. Yeah, I mean, it was two years ago that he helped the Lakers win a title and he had like a pretty sizable role. Yeah, it sucked to watch him win a title for the Lakers, but hey, he he won it. But um, I I would like to see... I don't want to see him in a magic Jersey again, but I do want to see when it's, when he's done that the magic sign him to like a one day contract and just end it. I want to see that just to that. He is the greatest magic player of all time. And we need to get to a point with Martin's ownership, whatever that we start closing chapters with players better. And Doing that, signing Dwight to just that one-day contract, I think that would go a long way um, if he would even agree to it. I don't know. But um, just something like that would be nice just to say, like, hey, we're not spiteful toward him. It's okay. He's going to go into the Magic Hall of Fame, and we're going to go from there. So um, yeah. any final thoughts before we get out of here? I got nothing else in my notes here. So uh, any I, thoughts on this road trip? Any thoughts on anything, anything else? 
I I hope we get one win, and I hope it's over the Bulls. What's your three game prediction for the road trip? I have us winning one of the Pacers games. That's all I got. So hey, if the Magic go two and one, that means we're only a game off my thirty four win uh, pace. So <laughs> there, there you go. go. We'll cross our fingers. But we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. It helps our podcast ranking a lot. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. With that, take care. Let's go magic.